our friend, the regular, but he's not regular. FT Senior Insider Ken Rosenthal joining us right now. Ken, how are you? And I actually wanted to get your thoughts real quick on what you saw out of Mets camp with the Kodai Senga injury and the very quick response from David Stearns to let everyone know that doesn't mean they're going back to the mall to go shopping again. I was, one, a little bit alarmed by the news of Senga, of course. That's number one. And then to see their response, it just shows, again, that teams are not necessarily going to jump for Blake Snell, Jordan Montgomery, or even Michael Lorenzen or Eric Lauer when they have an injury. Now, that might happen for some teams if they indeed have this kind of injury, but these are two clubs now we've seen have guys at least be questionable. The Orioles with Bradish, though he's throwing, and now the Mets with Senga. The Mets have made it clear all along that 2024 is not a priority, that they're looking beyond that. But at the same time, it's just surprising that these teams are holding the line so much, it appears, on the Boris clients. And I don't know how long it lasts. Certainly, I would imagine Scott Boris, to some extent, is banking on injuries. I don't know that he's hoping for it. I would never say that. But he understands, as we all do, that pitchers get hurt the moment camp's open. And perhaps it happens with a team that is willing to spend on a Blake Snell or Jordan Montgomery. But so far, at least so far, that team hasn't emerged. If it was February 23rd, 2023, would Steve Cohen be going back out on the market again? Yes, I believe he would be, Eric. It was a different mindset that that team had then. Now, granted, we'd have to go way back and understand that Verlander and Scherzer were there already and they had this high payroll, but they were operating differently. If that's your question, there's no doubt about that. They were operating in a much more aggressive mode. The Correa attempt was late, and I don't know if it was February 23rd, but it was late. I think it was around Christmas, actually. But they're not there right now. And they are insisting that they're going to stay disciplined and stay with this program. It's a little bit odd to see. I saw you guys debating the over-under on the wins and losses. The mere fact that we have to debate 81 or 82 wins with them is kind of amazing, all things considered. But they are trying to build. And it's not a rebuild, per se, because they already have a number of good players. And I will say this also, guys. Before the Senga injury, I was in a camp in Arizona the other day talking with the GM, and he said, the Mets are underrated. They're going to be good. Their defense is better with Bader. They're going to do some things. Now, with Senga out, uh, it's a lot more difficult, in my opinion. And even with what the GM was saying, Severino's a wild card. Manai, you don't know exactly what you're going to get there. I was not as convinced, but that was his opinion, again, before the Senga injury. So let's stick with the Mets here a little bit, Ken. Um, Pete Alonzo. Uh, I, me personally, I think he should be signed long-term today with the Mets. He's, he's a Mets guy through and through. He's great for that city. I know Steve Cohn came out and they talked a little bit about the upcoming free agency. I know he wants him to be there. Why not make this official now? Like is what's, what's holding him back from keeping Pete Alonzo there for the rest of his career? I would say probably Scott Boris is holding him back. And Scott <laughs> Boris, with guys like Pete Alonzo, generally prefers them to go to the open market. I know people get sick of me saying it that way, but that's true. He doesn't love extensions. Now, I believe we discussed this the other day, Todd. I can't remember. But let's say the Mets offered $200 million right now to Pete Alonzo. 
And that's a great offer, obviously. It's above Freeman. It's well above Freeman and Goldschmidt. But if you're Scott Boris, you're thinking, okay, that's the floor. Where do we go from there? And I go back to Juan Soto. If you remember with Juan Soto and the Nationals, the Nationals offered $440 million. Boris said no. He was two-plus years away at the time. It's different than Alonzo, who's a year away. But it's the same logic. And I would imagine if the Mets made that offer, made that attempt, Boris would simply consider that a floor, figuring he can get that again from the Mets later, and go from there. All right. So from one free agent that could be signing next year as a free agent to all the free agents that are not signed, we have Eduardo Rodriguez coming out of camp. He's with a team. Talk about the leadership role that he's taking. And, oh, if you sign ahead of time, you can start doing this type of thing and creating this environment. He signed in early December, Eric. You're right. It was four years, $80 million. And I believe most of us at that time saw that deal as fair on both sides. That's what Eduardo Rodriguez probably was worth. And now you look back on it, and it was pretty smart of him to go that early and to jump on an offer that he liked from a team where he has a history with management. Mike Hazen was with the Red Sox. Tori Lavello was with the Red Sox when Eduardo Rodriguez was coming up. So was their assistant GM, Amiel Sade. Now, I know when I wrote this today, I saw some of the comments from people saying, oh, yeah, Eduardo Rodriguez, this is the guy who bagged out on Detroit in 22. Well, he had family issues then, and I don't know that it's any of our places to comment on that. Granted, you would not want a player to be gone for two months. I get it. But at the same time, I can only write what I see right now. That's my job. And what I saw in a couple of visits to Diamondbacks camp was a guy that is involved with the younger pitchers. And the start of this column is about a situation where he's down on his knees and he gets up like a sprinter, like in a starting block. And he's talking in Spanish to three younger pitchers. One of them was Miguel Castro, their veteran reliever. And obviously he's speaking quickly, he's speaking in Spanish. I don't understand what he's saying. I'm not good on Spanish. But I asked him later what that was about. And he said, I was telling them that Usain Bolt trained four years for 10 seconds, four years to run in a 10 second race. And he did it repeatedly to get his body, his mechanics fluid, to make sure he was all good in that sense so that when he ran, he just had to go. Same with pitching. And that was the message he was imparting. Now, it's February 20-whatever. And granted, these things, what we see in February, late February, or March, or late March, don't always translate to the regular season. But he did some of this in Detroit as well, at the second, the second year he was there. And... He's a guy who talks very fondly about what Pedro Martinez taught him with the Red Sox and how Pedro took younger pitchers under his wing and tried to impart certain lessons. That's what Rodriguez is doing, at least right now. And I know Detroit fans have their own narrative and they probably want me to write their own narrative, but guess what? Narratives change. So Ken, are you in Cubs camp later or you were there already? I was there already this morning, yes. Okay, so what was the vibe there? Like, obviously, you're just at a camp. It's not like you can totally evaluate how a team is. I know they're very excited about their farm system being ranked pretty high up there, but we have some funny comments in the chat asking what inning they're in in their offseason plans <laughs> at this point because they were halfway through. They were in like the fourth or fifth about a month and a half ago, and um, they haven't woken up yet. 
That was Jed Hoyer's line, president of baseball operations. And they're certainly not in the ninth inning. From what we can tell, things might be going on behind the scenes. But right now, they're still in that mode where they're waiting for their next move, if that next move happens, if it's Bellinger or not. The one thing I will say, Scott, and you mentioned it, they are excited, even the players, about the young talent coming through, about some of these prospects beginning to emerge and guys who might be a factor as early as this season. They have that. And that's good. It's all well and good. But the Chicago Cubs, they need more than that as well. They need both things going on. You need to bring in players and you need to develop players. They haven't been so active on the bringing in players front. And that's what fans are wondering about. What we're all wondering about. They got Imanaga on a free agent contract. He's not Shohei Otani as a pitcher. He's not Yoshinobu Yamamoto as a pitcher. He is a lesser guy. And they made the trade for Michael Bush, who will play first base, left-handed hitter. They like him, younger guy. They need more. We all know they need more. And it's going to be interesting to see if they win, if that's the right word, the stare down with Bellinger, if they eventually end the stare down with Bellinger and get him, or what else they might do. I don't need to be a Tommy Fam seller, but I am a huge Tommy fan, fam, fan, fam, fam, <laughs> fan. And what is, what is the, not the reason, because we're always leaning on what the reason is. How is there a team that does not need him in camp? Because I think position players may need to be in camp just a tick sooner than pitchers. So could this be spelling the end for Tommy Pham, who's not the big, you know, the big five, the big four that are still out there? I don't know that it's the end, Eric, but he certainly is still unemployed. He's part of a group with Adam Duvall and Michael A. Taylor, Kiki Hernandez, Michael Lorenzen, Eric Lauer, remaining free agents. And I wrote about this yesterday. These guys are qualified major leaguers. They should be in camp somewhere getting ready to go for the season. Now, the problem is that as we get later here, and you've seen some of the deals the last few days, Ahmed Rosario for a million, Gio Rochella for a million and a half, even Tim Anderson for five million. I don't know that the money is there for these guys, and I don't know that their expectations will get met. So you ask why they're not signed. I don't know what they were asking for initially. I have no feel for that. I do know that these guys are good enough, my goodness, to get reasonable one-year deals and maybe even in some cases longer than that. In Pham's case, I think what is hurting him is that he's 36. And he had a really good year last year. You spoke highly of him just now, Eric. Players who have played with this guy love him. They love the intensity he brings. They love what he does offensively and defensively. He was better last year. There is no reason why Tommy Pham should not be getting a decent deal from a major league team at this point. There's no reason why any of those other guys I listed aren't either. Even a guy like Darren Ruff, kind of a platoon DH type, but he's an effective major league player and he's still out there. It's bizarre to me that this is happening. I understand it might be related in part to Bellinger and Chapman on the hitting side, Snell and Montgomery on the pitching side. But again, these are qualified major leaguers. These are competent players, good players in many cases. And it's troubling to me and it's curious to me why these guys are still out there. Ken, you were also recently at camp checking out the White Sox and checking out the Diamondbacks. So I saw that and I go, hmm, 
there's actually a connection with these two. I'm sure you know where I'm going, where my head is at. So both owners spoke out in the past week about trying to either get a lot of public money for a ballpark renovation, or that's the Diamondbacks or in the White Sox case, a new ballpark. So I don't know if you caught those comments, but in Chicago, they're on fire about Jerry Reinsdorf kind of calling out really the place that they're in now and and White Sox fans that they have to be there and get a ton of public money um, and essentially threaten to leave. And Ken Kendrick actually did that too, and not even in a sneaky way. I don't mean to, I'm paraphrasing, I don't mean to threaten, but we're running low on time. I don't mean to threaten, but I'm threatening. That's kind of how it went down. <laughs> and it's the old game owners play, not just in baseball and all sports when they want a new ballpark or a new stadium. And these threats are considered leverage on their part. And even when they try to dress them up and make them sound nice, as Kendrick did, they still qualify as threats. And with these teams, if you've been to Chase Field, certainly you understand that they do need renovations. The question is always, who is going to pay for them? And how much is the team willing to give? How much is the local municipality willing to give? And that's the issue there. The White Sox thing, it's funny to me. When New Comiskey opened, it was New Comiskey back then, whatever it is now, guaranteed rate field. That was well in the future at that point. It opened a year before Camden Yards. And I remember vividly being in a cab with Larry Lucchino, who was then president of the Orioles. We were going to the new Comiskey, and he was basically saying, this place is nothing. It's not nearly as good as ours is going to be. You'll see. And I was like, yeah, right. Well, he was proven right. And those ballparks, again, a year apart, one of them is and always will be a crown jewel of the sport. That's Camden Yards. And the other park, it's okay. It's just nothing great, though. And now, of course, they want a new one. And the idea for the new one and where they want to put the new one, it seems really good. But again, the question, who pays? And when these owners do this, they want someone else to pay or at least pay a significant portion. And that is where both of these things are. They sound much more or they sound much like any other kind of leverage play you've seen in the past or heard in the past. And that's where they both are. Yeah, as someone who interacts with dedicated baseball fans, basically every day, all day now in chats, right, with our show and on all of our clips. I mean, the way that they speak is part of the problem here. Like Ken Kendrick's line essentially made it as if we're all stupid and he's saying, I'm not threatening, but then bringing up other cities that are really interested. Like, I just don't understand why it always gets to that point. I'm sure they're doing the threatening behind the scenes, but to do that publicly and think that you're going to win fans over. And then in Chicago, Ken, Jerry said, well, you know, we got to keep up with these $700 million contracts. Like, dude, there was one. It's present day value in the 400s. And AJ Pruszynski's favorite trivia question is, the Chicago White Sox have never signed a player for $100 million plus dollars. So he's not in that right, ballpark Jerry anyway. Why is he? Yeah, he's not playing that game no matter what ballpark they get. We've seen this. Yeah. So honestly, Scott, I don't know what better way to frame it how you make this sound good publicly i don't know that you can it is what it is it's a threat and i'm with you behind the scenes do whatever you want cajole and twist arms and threaten plead however you want to do it first day of spring training which is when kendrick spoke that's a curious time to bring this up he knew he had an audience and 
He knew where he was going with that. And listen, what he's saying is undeniable to a certain extent. There are cities interested. We know this because there are cities clamoring for an expansion team. He also said, oh, they'd rather have an existing franchise than an expansion franchise. It's clearly a message he is trying to send, clearly a threat. That ballpark does need help. I would not deny that. I was there for the WBC all last year uh, and other times as well, World Series. It's not in great shape. Again, who pays? Yep, I'm with you. Ken, thank you very much. Enjoy camps over the weekend. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks, guys.